Good morning, Fifth Church. My name is Sam Eldersveld. I'm the pastor of student ministries here. It is good to be with you all. I'm thankful that we get to worship the Lord today. That is an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. I have one announcement I want to share before uh, the message. So we've heard Pastor Brian, Brother Sam have been on a trip overseas. They have made their way back. They're doing all right. Seems like a lot of people on that trip got COVID. So that's unfortunate. Nobody has severe symptoms. They're doing okay. But more specifically, we want to pray for Pastor Brian's wife, Becky, who somehow had a detached retina, which is very painful. She had emergency surgery. And so she's in a really uncomfortable spot right now. It's the kind of situation where she can't really look around very much, which is obviously challenging. So would you be be praying for Becky uh, as well as Pastor Brian, Brother Sam, and all uh, the new believers, um, which is just an amazing uh, word from this trip. Uh, several people got baptized. So just be praying for them as they continue on in life with this new life found in Jesus. It's such a beautiful thing. So today, we will be continuing in this series titled The Ten Words. We will focus on the third commandment. As God's people, we don't look at his commands as things we have to obey, have to abide by in order to gain God's approval. We, are already gained, we have already gained our approval through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So I encourage you not to look at these commandments as things we need to do in order to be loved by God. These commandments are given to us in order to be more like Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the one who is actually able to abide by these commands, which is a beautiful thing. So we don't have to have the guilt when we disobey these commands given to us by the Lord because Jesus takes on our guilt on the cross and he was also resurrected. So our guilt is no longer on our shoulders. When the Israelites were given these commandments, they didn't know that they were learning how to be like Christ, loving God and loving other people. They didn't know that Jesus would be the perfect one actually able to abide by these commands. We now have the benefit, hindsight, to look back and see that Jesus was able to fulfill all these commandments, all the law that God gave to the Israelites on Mount Sinai called the Torah. And at the time, the Israelites were starting a whole new way of life. They had spent 400 years in slavery and God was giving them the path forward by giving them this law, especially the Ten Commandments. No longer would the Israelites have to worship false idols. No longer would they have to work without rest. It was time for them to remember the God who created them, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Israelites did not know how to live as God's chosen people in this world, so God gave them a way of life through the Ten Commandments. Before we read this third commandment, would you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you for this day, for this life. We ask that during this time, your name would be praised. This is your time. Allow for us to receive your word and help us be more like you through the word that you give us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So the third commandment given to us in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So something that I do, something that's not a healthy practice, is I look at these commandments and I, I rank them in order of level of sin. I think to myself, in a, in a bad way, uh, I, I look at things like the do not murder, do not steal, and I think, all right, I, I don't do those things, so I'm not that bad. I'm sure many of us in this room have done this. That's not a healthy way to view the Ten Commandments. It's not a healthy way to view the Third Commandment either. We do this all the time. We tend to self-justify not necessarily just the Ten Commandments, but we hear a word from God, whether it's through Scripture, whether it's through this life, and we think, uh, you know, I, I don't actually do that, that sin, so I'm, I'm okay. What God does is he views us all on the same level. If we sin, we are all sinners. We can't label specific sins and think of ourselves better than the person next to us. So what is this commandment really telling us? We're mostly going to look at the first half of this commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. The Hebrew word that gets used or translated to um, take in vain or misuse is the word nasah. N-A-S-A-H is how you can spell that. Nasa also means to lift up. And this verb, this, this Hebrew word was also used when Noah built the ark and the flood came throughout the whole world and the flood, the waters lifted up the ark. So after sprinkling some more Hebrew knowledge on this command, you can also say, you shall not lift up the name of the Lord falsely. How have you been speaking of the Lord and to the Lord recently? If you would take a bird's eye view of what you have said about God or to God recently, would people label you as a disciple of the Lord? Are your words lifting up the name of the Lord with splendor and majesty or are your words negatively talking about Jesus, talking about God, thus lifting up the name of the Lord falsely without any weight to it? Now we have to get to the weight of this commandment, the name of the Lord. If you could guess how many times the name, or how many different names God has within Scripture, how many would you guess? You don't have to answer out loud for those that don't want to be embarrassed. I would say there's over 100 names. Some people say there's way more than 100, but most people are around the 100 mark. 100 names of God found in Scripture. Now, I myself have about three names that I go by, mostly Sam, sometimes Samuel, especially when I was younger when my parents were mad at me and they wanted me to behave. Um, And then some people close to me also call me Sammy. So there's about three names right there. Some of us in this room might just go by one name. They don't like nicknames. Some of us might go by a few different nicknames. So how does God have so many names? During the time of writing the Old and New Testament, names carried far more weight than they do this day. Now, don't get me wrong. Names are extremely important. I hope that we all love the name that we've been given. It's a way to identify us as different individuals. Sometimes people are named after a family member or a person from Scripture, or their name goes all the way back to where they come from, their heritage, But still, the significance of biblical names has lessened over the years. Nowadays, 
Sometimes people are named after their favorite Instagram filter or they're named after their favorite baseball player. And don't get me wrong, these are okay names. I'm sure they have significance, but yet it's not the same as it was back then. Names back then describe people. They describe a person's character. Names were thought of as characteristics that people would live into in their life. For example, there's several examples that we have from scripture Abraham was originally, originally named Abram. God changed his name to Abraham, which means the father of many nations, something that he lived into as the patriarch of all the Israelites. Sarah's original name was Sarai. God changed her name to Sarah, which means princess to all, which is exactly what she lived into as the matriarch of the Israelites. The person Jacob was given his name because as he was born, he was holding the heel of his twin brother Esau. Jacob literally means heel grabber. And he lived into this name by deceiving his brother Esau later on in life by stealing his brother's blessing. But God also changed Jacob's name to Israel when Jacob wrestled with God. Israel means wrestling with God in Genesis 32. And also you can look to the New Testament. Jesus called Simon Peter to come follow him. Eventually Jesus changed his name to just Peter. Peter means rock. And upon that rock, Jesus built the church. Peter lived into that as a leader within the early church. But most importantly, Mary was given a name to call her son, the son that was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which we find in Matthew 1.21. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Jesus' name is derived from a Hebrew word, Yeshua. Yeshua means to deliver, to save, to rescue. Jesus Christ literally means the one who saves, which is exactly what he lived into when he died for us on the cross. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is not just a way we identify God. It is who God is. It describes God himself. When we misuse the name of the Lord and we are lifting up something else falsely, we are incorrectly describing who God is. We are saying words about God or to God that don't describe his character. When the Israelites were given this commandment, They were just coming out of slavery. They were living a life that was harsh, that was brutal. They were in chains. They were being whipped. They had to work all the time without any rest. Within all of this, they did not hear from God and they did not see God help them escape from slavery. In that span of around 400 years or so, do you think they described God well? Do you think they described his character with truth? Probably not. They were not using words to correctly describe who God is, which makes sense because their view of God was so skewed during their time in slavery. And we misuse the Lord's name when we go through challenging times as well. Maybe some of you can relate to these situations. When a woman has a deep desire to be a mother yet is unable to conceive, but she's actually able to conceive yet the baby does not survive. In this situation, the woman cries out to the Lord saying that he does not provide or he does not listen to her in her anguish. 
How about a situation where you get a dreaded phone call that somebody in your family or somebody close has been in an accident or has been, has been severely injured or even worse? Does God seem loving or almighty in that moment? Most likely not. God seems passive. Seems like he's not trying to protect his people by acting out his power and stopping an accident like that from happening. How about when you're applying for a job to start a career or you're changing career paths and you pray to God consistently that you get this job, that this opportunity is provided for you. You spend time in scripture, you pray hours on end and yet you consistently receive a response, we have chosen another candidate. Does God feel like one who listens? Does he feel like he's living into his name of good shepherd at that moment? Most likely it doesn't feel that way and our words reflect that as we talk about God and to God. Now back to the Israelites. In God's timing, he gave them freedom. He heard their suffering and he told Moses to go lead them out of slavery. He freed his people from the chains of slavery and desired that they actually know who he is truthfully instead of their skewed version of him during their time in slavery. After being freed and given a new way of life, the Israelites could now speak of God as liberator, as almighty, as all-powerful, as a God who hears them. They just didn't know how to do that yet. So God said, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. One of my professors in seminary taught me something that has stuck with me since this lesson. He taught me that words that we speak create worlds around us. Words that we speak create an atmosphere that we live into. Of course, the words that we say don't just float out into space. They fall on listening ears and they affect how we live and how we think about ourselves. You know those times when you're around a really encouraging person, a positive person who's always speaking well of you. You just feel good about yourself through the words that they share. That's a positive aspect of words creating worlds. There's also a negative aspect. When you're around somebody who's constantly complaining, somehow you just don't feel good about yourself. You have this negative view of life and then when you're away from this person, it's almost like that weight is being lifted off your shoulders. For 400 years, the Israelites had created a world through their words that described God falsely. They did not speak of God well. They did not lift up the name of the Lord with truth. The world that they lived in did not represent God well and it wasn't true to his character. Whether it was words that the Israelites spoke or the Egyptians around them. We need this word just as much today as the Israelites did back then. In the book of James, it talks about our tongue being like the rudder of a ship, even though our tongue is small compared to the rest of our body. It has a huge impact on our lives and on the world around us. The way that we speak to God or about God absolutely matters because it affects the way that we think about God and love God or not love God. I want to take you back to my freshman year in college. This freshman year was very significant for me. There were several different things that happened that really changed uh, my faith life for the better. So I was invited to this thing called Men's Night Out through Campus Ministries and it was spring semester freshman year. And 
basically at this event, freshmen through seniors, all guys were invited. And of course, when all guys get together, you have to have pizza and there has to be dodgeball. So we played a lot of dodgeball, ate a lot of pizza. But of course, there was this time of um, testimony, basically. So this was towards the end of spring semester. So the seniors were asked to share their testimony, short testimony to the underclassmen, freshmen, sophomores, juniors. I was a freshman at the time. So I was listening to the seniors share their story with the rest of the group. So there were about seven or eight seniors up front, all sharing how their faith had been impacted in their life at school. And I remember the third person in, his name was Craig. Craig was, he was a really cool guy. He was about 6'6". He played basketball. He had a really deep voice. He could dunk. Anybody who dunked was cool in my mind. So I looked up to him a lot, and he didn't have to use a trampoline when he dunked either. Um, So when Craig started speaking, literally the first sentence that he shared is still on my mind. He said, my name is Craig, and Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Um, Yeah, I, I, um, I had never witnessed somebody's just so willingly um, sharing their love for Jesus. Um, It's not a a crazy statement, but yet it stuck with me. Ten years later, I still remember it. And just had such a positive impact on me. Um, The Bible talks about being unashamed of the gospel. And really, that was something, those words created a world for me in which I could be unashamed of the gospel and, and live out faith. And, um, and just what a powerful impact it had on my life. So Craig doesn't know this, but thanks to Craig for just sharing his faith um, and impacting me at that moment in my life. So when you speak about God or to God, what words do you use to describe him? Have you only described him generically as God your whole life? Do you just say God when you pray? Is that it? When you or a loved one needs healing, do you address God as the great physician or the one who heals? When you feel the weight of sin on your shoulder, do you ask the almighty king of kings to give you freedom from that sin? Or when somebody around you describes God falsely, what do you say in response? Do you even have a response? There is power in the name of Jesus and it's so important to speak well of the way, the truth, and the life. The way that we speak about God impacts the way that we live for God. The last half of the commandment is this. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. We know that one of the many ways to describe God is to say that he is the one who gives us new life. We know that guilt is not upon our shoulders because of faith in Jesus. Jesus already took care of that on the cross, but yet we still do sin. And one of the names of the Lord is judge. And we have to answer for how we speak of God in a negative way or speak to God in a negative way. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things well done in the body, whether good or bad. We cannot take advantage of the forgiveness and grace that God gives us. We have to treat his name with reverence and respect. So as we speak, be careful about how we speak of God and to God. We have to answer for how we speak about God to God himself. After all, what we say around us has an effect on other people. People are listening. People are listening when we talk about Jesus in our life or don't talk about Jesus. These commandments that God gave his people set a new pattern for their way of life. And this pattern was dramatically different than the people around them. Speaking positively about the Lord with reverence and respect is also different than the world around us. God is asking for his people to be different, to love him, to respect his name, to speak well of him. This way of life is challenging, yet it's worth it if the name of Jesus is proclaimed and others come to know him through the words that we say. So as you go from this place, my prayer is that we would be people that have patterns in our life where we speak of God's name with love, with reverence, that we would create worlds with our words where people can know who God is. There are people around us who've heard the words Jesus Christ. They maybe have heard the gospel, yet they don't know the name of the Lord. How we speak of Jesus and to Jesus dramatically affects the world around us. The world is listening. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We hope that as your people, we can treat your name with respect, that we can love you through our words. Help us not be tempted to say negative things about you, especially about other people around us. We want to speak words of truth, encouragement. Uh, We love you. We respect your name, your character. Um, Help us be your disciples this day. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.